So good morning. It is so good to see all of you. It's so good to be here. That worship was just so sweet. Um, and it's funny, last week we sang that same song, Amazing Grace, How Sweet the Sound That Saved a Wretch Like Me. And I never want to get tired of just saying, Amazing Grace. His grace is so amazing that saved a wretch like me. Amen? So th- for those of you, how many of you do not know me? Well, I know most of you do, but I don't know all of you. But um, just for those of you that don't, my name is Tracy. I'm Pastor Bubba's wife. And like he said, we've been married almost 31 years. And it seems like a couple years ago, I don't know how the time has gone so fast. And um, <clears throat> I'm just privileged to be here. For most of our marriage, I have been a wife and a mother. And I don't ever say just a mother. Because how many of you know that's one of the greatest callings that we have is being a mother. Um, I love being a mother. For those of you that don't know, we have six children, five boys and one little girl. And if you don't mind, I'd like to tell a bit about them. How many of you would like to hear about my children? All the mamas probably say yes. All the daddies are like, whatever. (laughs) Our oldest son, Zach, turns 29 next month. And uh, that's amazing. And him and his wife, Claire, pastor our Crowley Church. They have four small children and another one on the way in August. Uh, so it will. when this one comes in August, it will be four boys and one girl for them. We have five boys and one girl, so I guess they're following the pattern of their mom and dad. <laughs> but I'm so proud of Zach. He's just a great son, just a, just a faithful, a faithful guy. And then our second son, Andrew, is 27. Him and his wife, Julie, live in Jennings. They attend our Jennings church. He works at uh, Sasson Lake Charles, and they have a beautiful little girl, Avery. She's gorgeous, so sweet. She's 10, almost 11 months old, and just so proud of him. He has such a compassionate heart, full of compassion. And then uh, Matt, Matthew, our third son, is, will be 25 next month. Him and his wife live in Nashville, Tennessee. Long story how they got there. He plays drums in a Christian band professionally, and that's kind of what got him over there. But then he got his EMT, and he's working on his paramedic right now. His wife cuts hair. Sweet. Matt's a hard, hard worker, and um, he loves to work hard. He loves to make money, and we're praying he gives a lot to the kingdom of God. <laughs> And then our fourth son, Nathan, is 20. He's actually at Teen Challenge in Dotson, Louisiana right now and doing great. Has a great call of God on his life. Strong call. with He just has an amazing testimony, and we're so proud of him. And then our fifth son, Luke, is sitting right back there. He turned 12 last week. That's son number five. And he's a smart little boy, but very compassionate little boy. Never had to teach him to say please thank you I'm sorry will you forgive me just had a heart always like that and I know uh, God has great plans for him from the time he's been four years old he said I want to be a doctor like Luke in the Bible was a doctor and I want to be a doctor so pray for him maybe that's my retirement right there (laughs) and then after five boys we finally had a little girl Olivia and she is over in the children's church she is 10 years old And she is her daddy remade, in personality anyways. She loves people. People love her. Very social, very giving, loves to give gifts. And um, it's funny because God gave me a little girl like my husband. (laughs) And uh, Luke is like his mama. So it's just, it's funny how God works that way. He knows what we need. And 
So those are my children. And like I said, being a mama has been one of the most satisfying, most fulfilling um, things that I have ever done with my life. But how many of you know that being a mama, I remember being pregnant with my first child, Zach, just when you're pregnant and you just feel so satisfied and like, this is my calling in life, you know, and just, but when that baby comes out, nobody tells you about the screaming and the spit up and the poo poo and the throw up and the getting up at night and all the things that go with it, right? So I love being a mama, but there's also a big responsibility and a lot of work that comes with being a mama. But raising all these kids, especially a bunch of boys, one of the things that drove me crazy the most is sibling rivalry. How many of you have that with your children? If you have more than one child, you have sibling rivalry. Or maybe you don't have children, but you were raised in a family, and there might have been rivalry within your family, right? And so I'm going to talk to you this morning about sibling, sibling rivalry, but really just another name for it. The Bible really calls sibling rivalry jealousy. And I can remember when my kids were little, just the littlest things they would be jealous over. We used to have those, how many of you had those Tupperware cups where they had the blue, the yellow, the green, the red, and they had the little white lids that you'd put on them, right? Well, we had all of those. I think we might have one left somewhere around. And they would fight over that blue cup. I guess because they were boys, they thought blue's a boy's cup, you know, color, and I've got to have the blue cup. I mean, tears over a cup. So sibling rivalry over the silliest things are it always like who who put this toothpaste all over the bathroom it wasn't me it never was me right it was always somebody else or he did it she got more than me and how about this one you know I, I always get the broken cookies and I don't like broken cookies <laughs> so there's always something you know there was teasing or tricking or Sorry, i got to put my glasses on now, but it's a good thing. I can see my notes, but then I can't see you, and I kind of like that. <laughs> but somehow the enemy would always come in and work, and one would feel less favored or more rejected or not as smart, not as pretty or handsome or as good-looking, and the list goes on and on, Right? And it's funny because you can look from the beginning of time, and all we have to do is open our Bible. How many of you know Genesis is the first book of the Bible, right? You can open right there, and we're not even to Genesis 4, and already we see sibling rivalry. And we begin with Cain and Abel, right? Cain and Abel, the first two sons born to Adam and Eve, and already there's rivalry. Because you see, Cain, he was a tiller of the ground, and he grew vegetables. And Abel, he had flocks. And he had sheep. And it came time to bring an offering of God. And if you know anything about the Old Testament, God from the beginning of time after man fell began to give a picture through the sacrifice of animals and the blood offering so that one day we would understand the perfect Lamb of God, which was Jesus. And so an offering and the shedding of blood was just symbolic of the blood that Jesus would shed for us. And so one day they came to bring their offerings, and Abel brought his offering, his firstborn lamb, and sacrificed it. But Cain brought his vegetables. I don't know if it was his 
first vegetables, but it wasn't the correct offering because it wasn't the blood offering. And so God rejected his offering. The Bible said God rejected Cain's offering. But notice, it didn't say God rejected Cain. He just rejected his offering, right? And so there was rivalry. And God even came to Cain and he said, why are you dejected, rejected, depressed, down, feeling sorry for yourself? How many of us have felt those things at times? And he said, Cain, if you do what's right, you will also be blessed. But somehow instead, we so many times internalize those things and get rejected and depressed. And we walk away and we don't do what's right because of that rejection. So we have Cain and Abel. And then all you have to do is move on to Genesis 27. And then you see Jacob and Esau. And the fight was, that was there. And one was mama's favorite. And the other one was daddy's favorite. And Jacob was the liar and the deceiver. And then he deceived his brother into getting his birthright and the blessing and all this stuff. And then Esau ended up moving far away. And they didn't speak to each other for years. Then you only go over two more chapters. And this... This time, it's two women, Leah and Rachel. And Jacob, it says, loved Rachel. She was beautiful of form and face. So I'm sure that Leah was somewhat jealous because it says that Leah was just plain. Whether she was homely or quiet, I'm not sure. It doesn't give us a lot of detail. But then there was that rivalry. And Jacob marries both of these women. And then Leah is jealous because her sister is beautiful, but Rachel is jealous because Leah just begins to have baby after baby after baby, and Rachel can't have any babies. And so there's jealousy there. And then we go on to Joseph and his brothers. Now, Joseph wasn't jealous, but his brothers were definitely jealous of him. There was 12 brothers of Jacob. And the Bible talks about how Joseph... His father, how many of you heard in Sunday school, his father made him the coat of memory colors. He was his, his favorite son. How many of you heard that story? And I always used to wonder, well, as a parent, I really try not to be, I really try not to favor one child over the other. You can never be completely fair. It just doesn't work out. So as a parent, just stop trying. Do the best you can, but sometimes it just doesn't work out. And so I thought, well, why has Jacob decided to favor Joseph more? But as I went back and read, it really didn't say that he loved him more. It did say he loved him more, but it said because, one version says, he was the son of his old age. Now, for those of you who know Pastor Baba and I, Luke and Olivia, Olivia are the children of our old age. <laughs> Our other four are in their 20s. We had those two in our 40s. And it's not that we love them more. We're able to love more because we are more healed and whole. Because the older you get and the more mature you get, you're able to love more like Christ. So I think that's kind of, I understand that more now. I think that's what Jacob had with Joseph is that, he waited forever, and this was finally Rachel, the barren one's child, and he was older, and he had a different perspective. And so this was just like, ah, oh, you know, the son of my old age. And so, but through all that, the sons couldn't see. They were jealous because Joseph was bringing him these dreams, and basically in the dreams he was saying, one day you're going to bow down to me. But it was really all the plan of God for all of them. They were all included in this plan, but they chose 
to be jealous. And so therefore they take Joseph out. We're going to kill him. But Reuben, his older brother, has mercy. No, we'll just throw him in a pit. Then some travelers come by. No, we'll just sell him. But it was all part of the plan of God. And sometimes we look at others and we're jealous. But really, maybe it's just part of the plan of of God, right? So why rivalry? Why, Why is there that rivalry? I really believe it's because the sin of jealousy, the root of jealousy. It's one of the oldest sins that we're tempted with. And I really believe because with it comes that spirit of rejection. And why is there that rejection? Because the enemy so wants us to be rejected. Because he knows the great acceptance that there is at the cross. And he hates it. And so therefore he works everything within us to make us feel completely rejected. So jealousy, what, what is it? And this is the first thing on your notes. Jealousy is showing envy of someone or some or others' achievements. It's showing envy of some, a person or else their achievements, their talents, their gifts. And we do this when we compare ourselves to them. And we do that all the time. Just like those four examples I gave you. We're always comparing. We're always comparing. They have more. I have less. They can do this. I can't do this. But listen to what Galatians chapter 4 verse 6 says. It says, pay careful attention to your own work. And you know what your own work is? Your talents. What God has called you to do. What you do. Who you are. Pay careful attention to yourself and everything that God has given you to do. And do your very best. It doesn't say do do someone else, do like someone else, do your very best. Then you will have the satisfaction of work well done and won't need to compare yourselves to others. You won't need to. Because you see, each one, God has given each one of us different talents. My talents are not your talents, and your talents are not my talents. But if I would pay careful attention to myself and what God has called me to do, I don't need to compare myself with you. So hopefully... You don't have sibling rivalry anymore. Sad to say, I know some grown children, they're still rivalries. and They're 40 and 50 and 60 years old, and they're still having rivalry with their siblings. And that's, uh, that's a sad state. So maybe you don't have rivalry with your brothers or your sisters anymore. But are your brothers and sisters in Christ now your rivals? Or how about your neighbors or your coworkers? So what kind of things do we get jealous of? I, start, I started listing, and you can write this on your notes too. Here, here are some, and this is not an exhaustive list, but here are some of the things that we get jealous of. Skills and talents. Other skills and talents. So we, you might look and say, well, I can't teach like Tracy. Well, or I can't sew like such and such. Or I don't know how to fix a car like that guy. Their skills and their talents. The, other, the second thing we can get jealous of is their wisdom and education. Well, I'm not college educated, or I don't even have my high school diploma, or I'm just not a smart person, or I'm just not very good at that. We also can get jealous of strength and power, and that doesn't have to just be physical strength. Many men are jealous of physical strength, but also you might be jealous of someone's strength in the community, their power in the community. They might be a leader. They might be 
you know, the mayor. They might be the pastor. We can get jealous that they have some kind of say. Other things are we can be jealous of how much money someone has, their house, their car, their savings, their retirement plan. The list can go on and on. Their kids. I used to be jealous of mamas whose kids got straight A's like Lindsay sitting here. <laughs> That's over, but <laughs> my kids never got straight A's. <laughs> but now that I'm older, there's a lot of things Material things that I no longer get jealous of. They don't mean anything to me anymore. I have a big house. I really wish I had a smaller house because my big house is too hard to clean. <laughs> and some of those things don't mean as much. Sometimes when you're younger and you're, you're growing a family, like if I just had this house or if we just had this in the savings and we just... But the enemy kind of shifts his focus to different things. So now he might tempt me to go, well... I might be jealous of you because you're not walking through the crisis of cancer that I am or jealous that maybe someone hasn't suffered the loss or the grief or the pain that you have. So maybe it's not things, but you might be jealous that they're not in that hardship that you are and their life seems to be good. So this is only a part of what the enemy tries to trip us up with jealousy. There's many, many things. But let's go to Jeremiah chapter 9, verses 23 and 24. And these are some of my favorite scriptures in the Bible because it actually addresses all of these things and what the real things are that we are supposed to be jealous of. And I'm going to read out of the Amplified Bible, which I love that version because it really breaks it down and describes uh, the verses. So Jeremiah chapter 9, it says, Net Let not the wise and skillful person. So notice, number one, what are we talented of? Skills and talents. Let not the wise and skillful person glory and boast in his wisdom and skill. And don't let the mighty and powerful person glory and boast in his strength and power. So if you have power in the community, don't even boast about that. That's nothing. And let not the person who is rich, whether physically or earthly wealth, Glory and boast in his temporal satisfactions and his earthly riches. Those mean nothing. But listen to this. I love this verse. It says, let him who glories or let him who boasts, boast in this. And this is God speaking through Jeremiah the prophet. Jeremiah was the weeping prophet and he was really weeping. I think this thing keeps falling off of my ear. He was really weeping over his country and the state that they were in and how they worshiped other gods and they didn't love God. And so this is God speaking. Let him boast in this, that he knows me personally, that he knows me personally and practically, directly discerning and recognizing my character, that I am the Lord who practices loving kindness, judgment and righteousness in the earth. For in these things, I delight, says the Lord. Isn't that awesome? In other words, he's saying, don't boast about any of that stuff. If you're going to boast about anything, boast that you know me and that you know how much I love you. That's the only thing that matters in life. None of those other things matter. Nothing. They're all going to burn. The only thing that's going to matter is that you know God and you know how much he loves you and how much he cares about you. Amen. So what are some of the causes of jealousy? I'm going to look at a few causes. Number one is unmet expectations. We all walk around and we don't even realize it, but we have these unmet 
expectations. Like I said, we might expect that by the time we're 30, we'll own a house or whatever it might be. But we have these unmet expectations. Number two, a sense of entitlement. How many of you ever heard that? We hear about it a lot today on the news and with people. But what that sense of entitlement says things like this. Well, I'm a good person. I go to church. I tithe. I help people. And so I should have these things happening in my life. These suffering or these bad things or this journey I'm on shouldn't be happening, right? Because I'm a good person. Or a sentence of entitlement might say, well, I have rights, you know. I have, I have the right, you know, to have enough food to eat or have a right to a good job. Or it might say, well, I deserve, you know. I've walked through a lot and now I, I, deserve, I deserve this. Or you might go the other one and say, I, I don't deserve. I don't deserve. So a sense of entitlement. Really, I heard a long time ago, Uh, I remember this message, someone was talking about rights. We all have our rights and how we need to yield our rights and surrender our rights to God. And he said, really, the only right we have is to hell. If you really want what you deserve and what you're entitled to, you're entitled to hell. But because of his grace, we get to be with him. And when you keep that perspective, everything changes. Everything changes. The third thing, cause of jealousy, that I wrote down is insecurity. And we hear this term a lot. And I looked up in the dictionary, what does insecurity mean? And it said, uncertainty about oneself. And I went, wow. When you don't know who you are in Christ, you're insecure. Because is your identity in your skills or your money or your looks? Or is it in Christ? Because Christ says you're awesome. He says you're amazing. He says you have so much to give. So insecurity, uncertain about oneself or a lack of confidence. We have to find ourselves in Christ because no man, my husband can not say who I am. None of my friends, best friends, can call who I am. Only Christ can tell me who I am. And only that can come by having, like Jeremiah said, that personal relationship with him where I know how dearly he loves me, where I know that every morning when I wake up, he sings over me and he dances over me and he rejoices over me and he's so happy with me that he looks at me and he just laughs with joy and he loves it. Uh, when I, I love nature. I love riding my bike. I love when I was a little girl, even I would pick the leaves off of trees and I would peel the back over and see the little veins that would go and wow that's how the leaf gets fed you know with water and and I remember just sensing God and him speaking to me saying you know I love how you love my creation and I love peppermint tea and when I go to Jennifer's office I love getting peppermint tea and I was actually sitting in her office a couple weeks ago and just smelling it and I just felt like God say I love how you love the smell of my peppermint But that's that intimate, personal relationship where I find, you know what? God likes me just the way I am. My husband doesn't pick nature apart like that. He's not a big bike rider, but I am. But God likes him like that. But God likes me like I am. And it's finding that God loves you just the way you are. So those are some of the causes of jealousy. And we have to just come to accept that, you know what? Life isn't fair. 
I tell my kids that all the time. Life isn't fair. Is it fair that my husband has cancer and yours doesn't or someone might have lost a child and I haven't? That's not fair. But God is just. And in the end, like Mama used to say, it'll all come out in the wash. It'll all be made right. And we don't need to worry about that here on earth. One day, it's all going to be all right. God will make it all right. Proverbs 14.30 says, a calm and undisturbed mind. You know what a calm and undisturbed mind is? Just a mind at peace. Because how many of you know you have peace here? You have peace everywhere. A calm and undisturbed mind and heart are the life and health of the body. But envy, jealousy, there's that word, and wrath are like rottenness of the bones. You know what jealousy is? It's like rottenness. And so all of you want to be happy, right? But here's the thing. You can't be happy and envious at the same time. It'll never, ever work. Never. You need to change your perspective, and you need to be content with who you are and what you have. Because none of that stuff matters in the end. You learn to, need to learn to just be content with who you are and how God made you. Because remember I talked about my boys. They like the blue cup, right? And as a mama, the reason they would fight over the blue cup is one reason. Immaturity. Because as a mama, I knew that the milk tasted just as good in the red cup as in the blue cup, Right? But sometimes we look at other people's cup and we think what they, the life they're living tastes better than mine. But you know what? God looks and he's like, no, it doesn't. This is the life I've called you to. And if you would just put the lid on and begin to drink, you will find rivers of living water. The milk isn't any better in the red cup than it is in the blue cup. You just have to live the life that God has living you with joy and it'll taste good. So why didn't they like the, why did they want the milk in the blue cup? Because they were immature. So why are we not content? It's because so many times we're just immature. Just walk the road God's given to you in maturity. And that peace and calmness of mind that Proverbs talks about will come. So I want to look at one of my favorites. We were in Genesis. Now we're going to ship over to the New Testament with Paul. Paul, the Apostle Paul, is one of my favorite heroes. And he talks so many times about being content. About being content. Because it's funny. Somehow, you ever hear this woman, they cry and cry for a baby. They can't have a baby. And they finally get pregnant and they have their baby. And then they cry because their baby drives them crazy. Because <laughs> what we, when we finally get what we, we want, it's not what we really need. What we really need is Jesus. Amen. So look at Paul. He's our great example. The opposite of jealousy is contentment, just peace, being content with who you are and what God's given you. So I'm going to start out in Philippians. And t Paul is talking to ch the church at Philippi in chapter 4. And I was reading all of this. And really, he's writing them a letter in chapter 4. And he's telling them, Thank you for praying for me. Thank you that you've supported me monetarily. You've given me money and all this stuff. So he's thanking him for supporting him. And at the end of thanking him for supporting him, he says, not that I was ever in need. And that verse just jumped out to me because I thought, you know what? I've read Paul's life a lot of times. 
how can he say not that I was ever in need, ever? Really? Let's go back and look a little bit of Paul's life. If you go back to 2 Corinthians, this time he's writing to the church at Corinth. And he says, starting in in verse 8, We are pressed on every side by troubles. Hmm, not that I was ever in need. We are pressed on every side, but we are not crushed. We are perplexed. And I looked up that word perplexed. It means completely baffled, puzzled, and confused. How many of you have ever been in a situation in your life where, man, I'm just totally confused. I I just don't see how this is going to work out. Man, I I don't know what I'm going to do. That's what Paul's saying. We were completely perplexed, but not driven to despair. When you're completely perplexed, are you driven to despair? We are hunted down. I've never been hunted down, except by my children, (laughs) especially when I'm in the bathroom. (laughs) But never abandoned by God. We get knocked down, but we are not destroyed. Now go back and think about it. He says all those things, and he says, not that I was ever in need. But not only that, let's look at again at another portion. That was 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 4. Let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter 11. And I'm not going to read it word for word, starting at verse 23. But here's a little bit of what Paul went through. After he got knocked off his horse, saw who Jesus was, surrendered his life completely to the Son of God, here's a few of the things that he went through. He said he'd been in prison numerous times, too many to count. He doesn't even know how many times. Now, let me tell you, he wasn't in prison because he was smoking dope. (laughs) He was in prison being persecuted for sharing the gospel, okay? That's why he was in prison numerous times, whipped too many times to count, faced death, Five times received 39 lashes. Now, the law was, the Roman law, that you couldn't get more than 39 because after 39, you would die. And a lash wasn't like, you know, sometimes we've spanked our kids with a belt or a little paddle. But their lashes, they would make whips. And on the end would be pieces of glass and metal and you know, all kinds of things that would literally tear into your skin, okay? So five times he had this happen to him. Now, I'm a numbers person. My friends Cheryl and Jennifer know I like numbers. I always remember dates and birthdays. I don't know. I have a numbers brain. (laughs) So five times 39 is 195 times that thing came at him. Three times he was beaten with rods. He was stoned, and that means, that doesn't mean stoned on drugs, (laughs) People took up big stones, threw them at him. He was stoned, left for dead. They thought he was dead, so they all walked away. Then he got up and walked off. Three times he was shipwrecked. Anybody ever been shipwrecked? And one of those times he was adrift at sea for a day, I guess 24 hours. I'm sure they didn't have plastic floating rafts back then. He was probably hanging onto a piece of wood or something. Hungry, thirsty, cold, naked, Danger from his own people, the Jews, who were trying to kill him, were angry at him. The Pharisees worked long, hard. Now, many of us work long and hard, but that's about the only one we can claim. And yet he says, not that I was ever in need. You know why he could say all those things? Because if you go back 
to 2 Corinthians 4, 7, where he's talking, saying, not that, you know, saying we are crushed on every side and all those things he said, I've learned the secret. And the secret is, is that our great power is from God, not ourselves. And that's the whole thing. When we're facing everything we're facing as life, how many times do we try to do it from our own power and our own strength and it doesn't work? See, Paul learned the secret. Paul learned the secret. That's why he could be in prison. He could sing and still lead people to the Lord. It didn't matter. Wherever he was, he was going to be filled with Jesus. He was going to be used by Jesus. So it doesn't matter if you're in the midst of financial distress, you're in the midst of cancer, you're in the midst of losing someone. You can learn the secret is tapping into that power. But you can't tap into that power unless you learn to sit at his feet and spend that time, like Jeremiah said, getting to know the one true God. And then he talks about it again in Philippians. I've learned to live with almost nothing, basically nothing to eat, or with everything, a table full of abundance. And how many of us have had those times in our life where, hey, this is a great season. Man, I'm so blessed, blessed, blessed. But then there's other times I don't know where God is. But he said, I've still, he says it again, I've learned the secret that I can do all things through Christ. And that's the secret. Sometimes we quote, I can do all things, but we forget about the through Christ. It's not through me. It's not through my power. It's through Christ who gives me strength. And then in 1 Thessalonians 5.18, he says, be thankful in all circumstance. Be content with what you have, who you are, what you go through, and genuinely be happy for others. This is true maturity, that you don't need the blue cup. You don't need the blue cup. (laughs) Because you know what? Ask yourself, if you had that house or that much money in the bank or that child or that job or whatever you think you need, the looks, the talent, would you be happy? If you went on that dream vacation just to get away, would it bring you peace? If you weren't facing that crisis, would you still be depressed? Frustrated or screaming at your kids? Probably. You know why? Because it's a heart issue. You need to change the perspective of your heart. So again, I ask you, what did Jeremiah say to boast in? That you know me personally and that I practice loving kindness. And my question for you is today is, do you know him personally Maybe at one time, maybe you don't know him at all, or maybe one time you knew him, or maybe every day. See, we have to go every day and know him for that day. Because every day the enemy will try to come and take that identity and take that contentment and take that strength. Every day we have to go and know him again. Just like we intimately know our husbands in every way, our spouses, our wives, are our best friends, we have to go and know him. Do you do that? And do you know when you go and know him how much he loves you just the way you are? No matter your situation, no matter how you look, what are your talents, how rich or poor, how great or small that you think you are, he loves you. And it sounds so simple, but until you really grasp that, not here, but here, you'll always be discontent. So let's pray.
Lord, I thank you so much, so very, very much that we can know you personally, Jesus, because of what you did for us on the cross. It's amazing that we can know you and know how much you love us. With every head bowed, just as a sign of God to God, if you found yourself in that place of just wrestling with contentment, being jealous or envious of others in the situation in life that they're at, just your, raise your hand as a sign to God. Say, God, I battle with that. And I just want to find your contentment and your peace and just knowing you, just knowing you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I thank you, Lord, for all those who've raised your hand, their hand, God. And thank you for the peace and the contentment that you do give us and that we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us, God. That it's not more things we need. It's not more... Um, uh, people in our lives we need it's you that we need god it's you that we need even though all those things are good and they all have a place jesus we just want more of you god more of you jesus and i thank you for this time god i thank you for the word that was spoken god i pray that all of us including ourselves would, re would remember that our source is from you and from you alone in jesus name amen